Welcome to Empowered, by women, for women. This podcast brings you inspirational women and their stories, their successes, and their experiences along the way. Join us to be challenged and inspired, brought to you by Invintage and hosted by myself, Trudy Kerr. Today's guest is a beautiful woman, a model, a singer, an influencer, and a fellow blonde. Brooke Borch is a household name, and I'm thrilled to have you here on Empowered. Brooke, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. That was a really nice introduction, by the way. Why, thank you very much. <laughs> you put a lot of pressure on me now. <laughs> you realise I feel under pressure. <laughs> absolutely. If it's not good, everyone's going to be disappointed. Listen, <laughs> I want to kick off, okay, because you are a singer and you know an awful lot about being in the industry. And recently, you spoke out ahead of Destiny's entry into the Eurovision. Now, we're not going to talk about Eurovision for the the entire time, but I do want to just clarify this. And you spoke about uh, why the Eurovision team uh, may have chosen foreign dancers and why this made sense. Now, Eurovision is well behind us now, but I have a feeling that we're going to be doing the same thing and having the same conversations next year. So do you think, in retrospect that Malta loads far too much onto the Eurovision because we keep striving to be noticed? 100% yes. Um, I think in reality, everyone focuses too much on Eurovision. Um, weirdly enough, like it's quite ironic that for me to actually say so, you know, <laughs> considering I've, took, I've t- uh, taken part in Eurovision and everything. But um, I think personally, I think we take it a bit too seriously. Um, I think we literally depend on Eurovision for our careers from a singer's perspective, from an artist's perspective, from a musician perspective. Sometimes there are, there are some people, some musicians, some artists, some dancers that uh, rely on Eurovision. Unfortunately, it's not a good thing uh, because Eurovision is not the only opportunity there is. And especially for us singers. I'm going to talk about singers because, to be very honest with you, I'm not a very talented musician and I'm definitely not a very talented dancer, so I can't really talk. I'm not going to agree <laughs> with you on that, but I'm going to let you say your piece. Um, so I'm not, going to, I'm not going to be the, you know, the spokesperson for, the, for them, but from a singer's point of view, I think we depend on it too much. And I think we need to broaden our horizons. We need to sit down, like songwrite, get into the studio with uh, different musicians, different But depend producers. on it for what? For why? Because unfortunately, the general public take it so seriously that automatically singers feel like this is a serious and the most important thing for us, for us singers. But which of the Eurovision contenders, other than ERA, have had their careers completely propelled by it? Not many, but I think because the cards have been, haven't been played right, I'm going to be honest. I think Eurovision is a great platform, but you need to go prepared and you need to be a, an artist. So not just a singer. You don't depend on one song to make you. What happens, and most of the time, artists, when they go uh, and represent their country in Eurovision, they actually prepare an album. They actually prepare tour tour dates. So what happens when they when they're there and they're they're having the big hype because they're representing their country, and loads of the press are talking about them? It's free 
press free marketing, really and truly. What, they, what do they do? They actually um, release their album whilst they're there and they release their tour dates, their tour dates whilst they're there. You know, there's a big hype on the artist and automatically, because there's the big hype, people are automatically going to listen, going to buy your album. They're going to maybe buy tickets for your tour. For example, this, this year there was um, the Icelandic uh, group and whom I love and I think they're genuinely like musical geniuses. Um, they pretty much launched tour dates whilst they were there and less than maybe five days after post Eurovision, they had already sold out two thirds of their of, of their tour dates, of their but, tickets. So that is absolutely amazing. But that's looking at Eurovision yeah. as a commercial exercise, which it is. Yes. Because when there was a lot of hype about whether Destiny should be wearing a, a silver dress or a pink dress and she has the right to wear this and she has the right to yeah. wear that, of course she does. But at the end of the day, it's a commercial exercise and it doesn't matter what anybody wants to wear. It's all about what is going to get you the vote. Exactly. And it's all about what is going to get you the exposure and get you to win rather than what I want to wear and my opinion or a lay person's opinion it's all about that commercial venture. And that is exactly what you're describing there. So do you think we in Malta have got that right? Do you think we see as it as that entity? Mm, yes and no. I mean, the, I mean, don't get don't get me wrong. Like, uh, I'm not an expert in this field. So like, I'm, I think I'm putting myself in like a manager's <laughs> shoes here, but and which I'm really not. But um, I think we have to, I think we focus too much on the song and the package whilst we're there, but we don't actually focus on the future of the artist. So what happens? Most of the time for those three months, especially in Malta, like for the Maltese representative, um, we put the Maltese representative on a pedestal and then as soon as nothing happens from Eurovision or like we don't win it, that pedestal drops, literally. So the artist from the best three months of their life goes through what I would definitely go through a mini depression, you know, like, oh my God, now it's ended, now what? Now what's gonna happen? Which is not good. Ultimately, winning it will not make you an artist. Participating and releasing an album and doing tour dates and touring, and that will make you an artist. Being active and thinking about it like a, a, a marketing maybe or a point of view, you know? Like it's gonna give you a, a platform. Eurovision is just a platform for people to see you. If that's what you want out of it, it's perfect. But if you want a career, then you have to think like you want this as a career and you have to go there and, you know, have things prepared in advance and be, be the artist that you, would that you would want to be. Which comes back to it being a commercial opportunity. Exactly. I'm going to ask you one last question about Eurovision before yeah. we move on to <laughs> your career and what you are doing. <clears throat> in your mind, yep. why don't we win? When the prediction is the odds are that destiny was going to win, why don't we win? I think the main reason is probably because we think too hard about it. We don't, I, th I think we think too hard about it and we don't think outside the box. And what normally wins are those artists and groups that think outside the box. The ones that like have that something different that you do not expect. For example, I, I'm thinking out loud right now, but Duncan Lawrence with Arcade, um, one for the Netherlands had the most simple performance, but had a beautiful song, beautiful vibe to it. It's, it stood out because it was so different. 
And where did it come? Um, what do you mean, where did it come? It won. <laughs> Wasn't it Italy that won? No, this year, yes. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> and that, that is a case in point. They were so different. They were so cool. Watching them on stage, Italy, watching Italy on stage. All the other art, all the other acts seemed like they were supporting acts for them. It, it was like an extract from their concert. I, I don't know. I'm just like maybe fangirling a little bit about them. <laughs> <laughs> you fangirl away. Listen, we've talked enough about Eurovision. I promise I won't ask any more Eurovision That's questions. Right. That's right. <laughs> Your LinkedIn profile reads... Brooke has attained professional accomplishments that read like an adult CV. So what is next? To take on the world, to use music as a platform to share who she really is, a beautiful, aspiring, purposeful young woman devoted to music and the freedom to express her innermost being through music. Now, this obviously is an amazing goal to aspire to. And outside of the pandemic, you know, this could be incredible. But how achievable are those goals that are mentioned there in that piece of writing? It's, it's a good question, actually. Thank you. <laughs> From a musical aspect, I vouch to always be true to myself as well when I'm writing music. Um, something that I do not like, I will not release. Something that I do not believe in, I will not say. And I think there was a there was a very long time where I stood quiet. I would not be active on maybe social media. I would not comment because I genuinely believe I don't like drama, unlike um, you know other people or you know. And I I really hate drama. But okay, I'm I'm all about women empowerment. So. When I feel that something is wrong, I, I, I like to stand up, not for myself, but even for other people. I don't, I like constructive criticism, but I don't like people attacking. This is something that I, I vouch for and I really, um, and, and I, I really stick to it even when I'm writing my own music. And I think it's very important because I don't want to be, I don't want to write music just for the sake of writing music. I don't want to release music just for the sake of releasing music without actually being authentic and true to myself. Because I, it's impossible to transmit an honest um, message out there if you do not actually believe. To play devil's advocate for a second, doesn't that mean that perhaps you miss out on commercial opportunities when other artists, whether they be local or certainly yeah. abroad, are putting out what the public wants? Because that's a commercial decision. Yes, you're right. You, you can't be closed-minded then. You also have to be open-minded. You have to also keep keep in touch with what's current, keep in touch with what's being played on the radios, what's, what's out there. And um, you need to keep evolving to what is currently in fashion, if you, in music. As an artist, I think that's the, one of the most important things. Like you, you have to stick to what you believe is your style of music, but you also have to adapt it to what's current and what's being played on the radio. Um, so that would be like the perfect balance between who you are and what's being played out there and making it current, you know? So what's out, what is out there at the moment that's current that really motivates you or, or interests you? But one of the, the playlists that I always follow on, uh, on Spotify and uh, other, other music platforms, New Music Friday. And one of them in particular, I genuinely really like uh, Swedish um, producers and Swedish production. Like the playlist that I follow is New Music Friday Sweden. So 
and on day, um, there's like the up, the, the, most of the time there's the up and coming artist, you know, not necessarily people who are actually signed to big record labels. I feel that Swedish producers normally are the ones to actually set the tone, singers and, or producers, especially in Europe. And um, most of the massive producers that worked with Ed Sheeran and Britney Spears and like, you know, all these artists um, are actually Swedish. So I like checking out what's current from there, you know, and um, there's there is a lot of there's a lot of the, you know, the weekend vibes going on, which is a bit of 80s with like current cool sounds. Um, there's eight. I think the 80s is coming back in as well. Lord, um, I hope not. <laughs> Don't you like it? <laughs> I lived through it. I oh. was a teenager in the 80s. Listen, I, I, I go through 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s playlists. And oh, no, I Brooke, love them. skip the 80s. <laughs> Listen, you talked there about uh, Sweden. Yep. You talked about Swedish producers. You mentioned a couple of British artists, and I know that you've been over to the UK and you've also uh, been involved in uh, honing your art and your product and your pro you as an artist as well. Um, it, I want to ask you, is Malta the best environment as a singer-songwriter? Because it is possible to rise and be a big fish on these islands, but the pond is relatively small. So do, what do you see as the advantages and the constrictions about being a singer-songwriter in Malta? I think I, I've lived in London for six years. And uh, in those six years that I've lived there, um, I always said, wow, Malta has incredibly talented individuals, especially with the limitations that we've got. Utterly especially. agreed. Utterly agreed. Um, and I genuinely uh, believe that, you know, with a bit of a push here and a push there, we could actually rise to the level of the foreign scene. I'm actually proud because I support fellow musicians, I support fellow artists and I support fellow singers and people are actually uh, living off music on a full-time basis and that is Absolutely. incredible. Absolutely. When I first came and I started interviewing way back in 2013, there were only three bands on the island that were actual full-time musicians. In a, as you just rightly, as you said, the concentration of talent here in Malta far exceeds anything I've experienced in any of the other countries that I've lived in. So the very fact that so many of those artists still stay in Malta, is it because there's the mentality of let's remain a big fish in a small pond? No, I think, um, like, I've, as I said, I've lived for six years in London and I ended up coming back because I genuinely like Malta and it's a beautiful place to actually live in. It's beautiful, you have everything and all the, com the commodities, if you know what I mean. Well, you lived in London, so I suppose one of the biggest advantages is it doesn't rain all the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's not grey most of the time. <laughs> Look, London, London is nice. Um, London is beautiful. I mean, I, I, I'd better say that my boyfriend is from London. So Well, me, me too as well. So, yes, you have <laughs> to say that. I'd better say that or he'll, <laughs> he'll kick my butt. <laughs> I'm joking. And then I'll kick it afterwards. <laughs> um, do you think he's going to really kick my butt? Do you think I'll let him do that? <laughs> She's empowered. Yes. Uh, I've lived there. I loved it, but I wanted to come back. Considering I moved 
to London when I had like a couple of days after turning 17. So I was quite young. So, so the, the, there's a lot of things that, the, it, that are really good in London. Look, the pros of London are the cons of Malta and the pros of Malta are the cons of London. So it's, you can never have the perfect Brooke, I, I, I have never heard anybody say that, but I think that is possibly the most concise description of the relationship between Malta and a big city. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be London. I love the way that you just put that. It's, gonna, it's so hard, you know, to put into words. It's like I can't really... I don't know if I made myself clear. You, you get me for sure because, you know, it's, you, you probably lift through it. So. <laughs> I want to change the subject for a second. Yeah. In April 2020, you shared the following statement with our wedding magazine. Every birthday since I was around 18 years old, my birthday wish whilst blowing out birthday candles has always been to put an, an end to the constant struggle with my weight. Why? Because I want to feel comfortable in my own skin because I do not want to have to wear certain type of clothes to cover my bum and thighs. You speak for, I should imagine, a very large proportion of the female population. I think that is exactly how, and beautifully concisely, how most women feel. And they don't want to continue with this struggle. I've got a huge number of questions to ask you, but I'm going to just ask, set off by saying, how real is that struggle? Is it still a struggle? It always is a struggle. It always, it, I, it, you know, you reading it out to me, it makes me emotional because um, I think I had never been so honest and so true, um, especially on social media. Like, I, I, not that I, I was putting a fake persona on social media or anything like that, but it's only because I'm a very sensitive person. I don't, I don't seem like it because I'm a, I'm strong, like strong character and everything. But I'm, I, it's all like a face to my sensitivity inside the, over there, somewhere in there. <laughs> um, so uh, I always had this like strong you know, um, a veneer. first layer that I was always putting out there, you know. And when I started, like, when I uploaded that, I literally stripped that layer off. And I, I remember as soon as I uploaded that, that uh, photo and that status, I, I literally cried and I cried my eyes out. And I remember my mom telling me, why, why are you crying, you know, like, why? And I said, because I feel really vulnerable now. I feel like if someone had to pass a comment or say something, like, now, I, now they know my weak points and I don't Did like they that. pass comments? Actually, no. <laughs> a lot of people actually supported me um, for, for this because I was being honest and true and people can actually relate to that more than they can actually relate to a strong persona that I was putting out there, you know? That is pre so precise. It's probably probably a bit younger than 18, actually. Um, but the 18 is, is the, the, the year that I was definitely constant, constantly wishing, like, I, I, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight. And that's my constant struggle. Maybe it's genes, maybe it's me, maybe it's whatever. <laughs> no, I think an awful lot of it is about you being a woman. And a yeah. woman, not only a woman in the public eye, because I think this applies to almost every woman. We are, in, we are women in an age where we are bombarded by visual 
all the time. And yeah. visual now that can be so massively manipulated. Incredibly. And so we are driven to look at perfection and told that perfection is what we have to be. So let me ask you, because you are also on social media, you're very beautiful, you have a, a huge following on social media. How does that reflect on what you put out? Look, to be honest with you, I, I don't really like count the amount of likes. I don't really count followers or anything like that on, on Instagram or Facebook. Um, I, I genuinely believe if I'm, like, if I'm going to be true and honest, then so be it. You know, like, I don't care about how many likes that status or that photo is going to get. As long as I'm being true and honest with myself, you know, and... and don't do you care? Everybody cares. No, everybody cares a little bit. But you know what? Like, if I had uploaded that status um, about me struggling with my weight and no, and like I got 100 likes, for example, or whatever, 50 likes, I, it wouldn't have bothered me as much is the fact that for me that was an accomplishment in itself because I, I managed to, to strip down that layer, doing those little steps as personal challenges for myself is going to make me a better, a better and bigger person. And I think that's, that's the most important thing. Unfortunately, scrolling through social media is the worst thing that you could do. Because like, you'll see these beautiful girls, you know, for, from a woman's perspective, beautiful women, incredible bodies, faces looking incredible, and like, it automatically puts pressure on you. I mean, I could vouch for that because I, I rarely ever walk out of the house without any makeup on, you know, and my next like potential challenge, you know. Because this is why, what <laughs> I was going to ask you, because there are now influencers who make a point, and they have massive followings, of being bare, of showing the truth. They may be models, they're beautiful women like yourself, and they've used their platform to say, actually, you know what, I've got cellulite. Or, you know, this is what the final product looks like, and this is what the original product looks like in a photographic shoot. So you've just mentioned there, that is a goal for you. Can you see there that you might migrate to perhaps a more valuable message to young people because you care, because you've been there, because you know what the struggle with weight is all about? As I said before, I'm a very honest person, you know, so I would never, and I can, I swear on my life that I had, n I never uploaded a photo on my Instagram or my Facebook or any social media account where I tweaked how my body looks. And I, I, I will vouch for that because if it's not good enough, if, my, if I feel that I don't look good enough in that photo, then I just won't upload it. But I will never tweak around with it. I will put filters on it, like filters as in, you know, like to make the sky instead of more looking more blue or stuff like that, which by the way, I'm crap at. So, <laughs> so I'm a, I have to be honest about it, you know, so... I limit myself to how much stuff I can do because I'm really crap at it. I, I would never take a picture of myself and stay tweaking my eyes, my lips, my nose. My If it's not good enough, then I won't upload it, literally. Because these things, like, these things really bother me and I do not want to put an image out there of myself that's deceiving 
And I think that's really important, which unfortunately not a lot of influencers or people on social media do. And so they, they end up portraying an image of themselves, which is not real. And that really bothers me because I've met people before and I, I'm thinking, is that the same person I've seen yesterday on social media? And it's not good, is it? Like it's, uh, I, I love I, it when you walk past somebody in the street and your partner that you're with is like, ah, that's so-and-so. And you're like, what? Exactly, exactly. I would take that like as an offense if someone said, oh, I didn't, I didn't recognize you because you look so different on social media. I would take that personally. Like I would be, I'm thinking, what the hell am I doing wrong then on my social media? Because I'd want to, I'd want my social media to be me, you know? I'd want me to be me on my social media, not me to be someone else. And then when people actually see me, they don't recognize me. I'd, I'd hate that. This leads me very nicely into my last question. Okay. <laughs> Brooke Borch, as a person who is in the public eye, what would you like your legacy to be to the young women or the older ladies who follow you? To be true to themselves, um, to be happy in their own skin. I think that is the most important thing because it's such a struggle until you get to that point where you're, you're comfortable in your own skin. Um, I mean, I don't think I'm even there yet, you know, and... I really, really hate when women feel better about themselves if they knock someone else's confidence. I really can't stand that. You know, it's not going to make you feel better about yourself. It's going to make you feel worse. You know why? Because you're pointing out the bad things in others, but you're not looking at yourself in the mirror. And that's the first place you have to start off from. And I genuinely believe if you start off by your reflection in the mirror, then eventually all your stars will align, if you know what I mean. Uh, that, that is something that I'd want, not because I want that to be my legacy, but I'd want it to be the legacy of all women out there, you know, to support each other, to not point fingers at each other, but instead grab each other's hand and cheer for each other. That, for me, that would point is made, like, oh, you can, you can relax now, you can chill, because that would be the real goal for me, like, to see people supporting each other ultimately. Brooke Borge, it has been amazing having you on it's Empowered. Been amazing being here. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm wishing you all the very, very best. Thank you for being Thank with you. us. Thank you.